Fans, teachhoops.com slash 816basketball has all the resources that you need to be a better coach, period. Today's basketball coaches are dedicated, year-round workers who face fierce competition to keep their jobs. And excellent instruction is out there, but finding it is inconvenient, unorganized, and it can be hit or miss. So visit teachhoops.com slash 816basketball. Sign up for the free trial. You're going to want to go past that free trial. We guarantee it. And be sure to join our good friend Billy Kegler on the Competitive Mindset Podcast where guests share how they differentiate themselves and achieve high levels of performance through the lens of motivation, competitiveness, and mindset. Join along on the journey to lifelong learning and improved performance with the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Follow on social media at Competitive Pod. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here as always on the Greatest Games Podcast. A chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be their time as a head coach, an assistant coach, a JV coach, a high school coach, a college coach, just any game they consider to be their greatest. You know, Chris, we've mentioned it on the air before. This podcast has been a real hoot for us to be able to do. It's a chance to talk, to, as you just mentioned, to coaches from around the country, but it's also a chance for us to relive our glory days and talk to the guys that we used to work with back at this, in this case, the University of South Carolina. So this gentleman is coming to us from Virginia today, but he has been a college director of operation, a college assistant, and we know him as the former director of operations at the University of South Carolina. Took great good care of us during our years with the Gamecocks. But Bill Old, welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast. Oh, this is great. Well, thanks for having me. You know, it's uh... – it was great catching up here before we uh, before we started talking about old times and uh, reliving great memories and uh, you know we we had a lot of great experiences a lot of a lot of great W's and uh, a lot of fun times. It's amazing. It's it's uh, I left South Carolina 13 years ago and uh, we tell stories like they just happened yesterday. You know, so it's uh, it's really good to be with you all tonight. Yeah, sorry to the audience members. There might be a lot of inside jokes and laughs whenever we get like real old <laughs> friends on. That's what happens on these episodes, you know. <laughs> that's just that's just going to happen. But uh, like I mentioned, that uh, Billy, for those that have been around South Carolina a long time, South Carolina basketball and high school basketball, you, you know Billy Old is the guy that was around the program all the time, taking good care of everybody and anybody that came through the door, whether it was team camp or individual camp and um, had more kids that have, have been through a Billy old uh, basketball camp and, and a stretching routine uh, in <laughs> basketball camp in the morning. than uh, we could shake a stick at. And, I, and I'll tell you, it kind of leads, you know, talking about camp real quick, you know, it's so many coaches say, ah, oh, dread camp and all that. But that was one thing we all look forward to because we knew it was, a, it was a great time. We had what we had team camp and we had a couple, uh, couple sessions of overnight camp over there at Patterson dorm and baseball. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't know if you told the, uh, the school bus story with, uh, Coach <laughs> or not, but, uh, but, uh, I tell you what, we, we all look forward to working camp together and, uh, we, we had a great time doing it. We brought in a lot of, what was great about it is we'd bring in coaches and we knew we'd only see them one time a year, but they'd come work camp for us in Columbia and, and we had a great time. And most importantly, the kids had fun and, 
And uh, but uh, I think most of the time the counselors were just part of the camp. You know, it wasn't campers and counselors. It was everybody was there together just having a good time. So anytime you can do something like that revolving around hoops is great. So and, and, we, and we we've made long, you know, lifelong uh, relationships through it. Right, well, we won't get into too many camp stories, but I, Bill taught me one great thing about camp was you got to end the day with the same number you started the day with. And That's right. I, I said, oh, yeah. He goes, it doesn't need to be the same kids as long as the number is the same. <laughs> if I started with 183, I got to end with 183. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then and then kind of, for you know, one thing my dad used to tell me and one thing, one of our camp workers who used to work camp for us at Wake and um, and uh, through the years was uh, Coach Ed McClain, who was Pistol Pete Maravich's coach at Broughton High School in Raleigh. And uh, he would always kind of get the social train going at night after camp. And uh, he said, just remember, you got to answer the bell in the morning. You got to answer the bell. So, you know, we, we'd be out there uh, having our council meetings after camp and Coach McClain would come up and kind of get things started. Then he kind of disappeared. But he'd be the first person you saw at breakfast the next morning and say, so how did it end up last night? How did it end up? You know? <laughs> so, uh, Coach McClain, he, he was an assistant with Volvano uh, in 83 when they won uh, the national title. So, And he has since uh, passed. But uh, great camp worker and, and uh, a lot of great stories. But how about that name drop right at the top of the podcast? Huh, Rose? Just, oh, yeah, Pete Maravich is high school coach. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, Bill, why don't you take us, if you want to name drop some more, why don't you kind of take us through your resume in basketball, how you got started and, and you know, kind of your stops along the way? Well, it's, you know, I don't know how long we have, but I'm going to start from Lexington, Virginia, originally. And uh, my dad was the post physician at VMI. And um, they opened up their new building, Cameron Hall, in 83. And the first game there, they didn't have any ball boys. So uh, my dad being the team doctor, we were about four rows up. And one of the guys came up and said, uh, hey, can we give you a towel? Can you sit under the basket and wipe sweat up? I said, sure, I'd love to. So I started doing that. Next thing you know, I started going to practice every day and I got to go on a couple road trips every year. And, um, you know, this is when Gail Moore was playing and, and uh, the first game in Cameron Hall that year, UVA opened it up. And that's when Ralph uh, Sampson was on the team, but Ralph didn't play that night because he had a broken finger. And one of the assistants for Virginia that year was Coach Odom. And I uh, always joked with Coach Odom because Coach Odom had come from a recruiting trip and he forgot his dress shoes. So he was dressed on the bench in a coat and tie and a pair of croquettes. So uh, I always joke with him about that. So grew up at VMI, played high school basketball, went to Randolph-Macon College in Ashland, Virginia, uh, tried out for the team, wasn't good enough. So I did the next best thing is uh, I was a team manager for Coach Howard Nunley for four years. Great experience. And um Work camp and uh, my junior summer at Macon, Coach Odom used to run the uh, five star women's basketball camp at Radford and he moved it to Randolph Macon. And he asked Coach Nunley that, hey, uh, do you have anybody that can help me with camp? Kind of knows where everything is. Coach Nunley said, Bill Old, your guy. So I started working camp for uh, Coach Odom in the summers. And then uh, after my senior year in 94, Coach offered me a position on his staff at Wake Forest. Uh, administrative position. Long story short, I was at Wake 94 through 97 as administrative assistant. Um, one of our uh, assistants at that time was Ernie Nestor, and he was uh, the high school coach of Sherman Dillard, 
who was the new head coach at James Madison at the time. And I was able to get an assistant coaching spot with Coach Dillard at JMU. I was there uh, 97 through 99. And through my uh, contacts with Ricky Stokes, had gotten to know Ralph Sampson. Ralph Sampson was coaching a um, uh, minor league team in Richmond, Virginia, uh, the Richmond Rhythm. And he offered me a position on his staff. So that was, uh, what, 99-2000, did that for a year. And then um, Ralph and I did uh, camps and clinics in Vegas uh, for about six months. Great, great stories, great experiences, as you can imagine. And then uh, through Ricky Stokes, uh, Ricky Stokes and Steve Murfeld, who was the head coach at Hampton, they were in each other's wedding. Um, coach Murfield had a spot open at Hampton University, so I went there as an assistant coach for two years and then um, thought I would have the opportunity to go with Coach Murfield to uh, Evansville as an assistant coach when he took the job, fell through, but was able to, uh, to come to uh, Columbia uh, with Coach Odom as the director of operations for five years and then uh, had the chance uh, – to Coach Odom's son, Ryan Odom, was an assistant at Virginia Tech. Um, so I was able to uh, get the uh, operation job at Virginia Tech uh, with uh, Coach Greenberg. Uh, did that for one year. And then uh, I was in the athletic business office for three years. Then I was on the women's basketball staff uh, at Tech for five years, back in the athletic business office. And now I'm with the sport club teams uh, in campus recreation at Tech. So Unbelievable journey, unbelievable memories, experiences. Uh, wouldn't trade a day up. Well, first, I want to let our, our listeners know, if they don't think they know who Steve Merfeld is, they do know who Steve Merfeld is because at Hampton that year, you guys upset Georgetown, right? No, no. In no? fact, that's going to be my best game where we beat Iowa State. Iowa State, it was up in Boise, right? It was in Boise, yeah. And you guys have all seen, it's one of the clips that's on the NCAA tournament every year. Someone picks up Coach Murfeld, and he's like, his arms and legs are shaking. David Johnson, uh, who went to Granby High School in Norfolk, uh, picks him up, and and Murfeld is literally kicking like a a two-year-old. Yeah, Yeah. it is one of the iconic celebration shots of a coach in an NCAA tournament game. Unbelievable. That was uh that was a 15 seed beating a two seed for the fourth time, but only one time had that 15 seed that won gone back to the NCAA tournament the next year, and we were able to go back to the tournament uh the next year as well. So yeah. So Brian, I actually got it wrong. I thought it was Georgetown. I'm surprised you're not getting on. We played we I played got... Georgetown the next night. Ah, uh, okay. See, round. I was I was close. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. As many trivia questions as I've missed on this show, I have no right to say anything <laughs> at all. So, <laughs> so yeah, you did get it wrong. I just I just remember Jamal Tinsley missing the layup and then looking down the bench at Larry Eustace, and it, it was freaking uh they didn't know whether to scratch their watch or wind their butt, I tell you. <laughs> Well, Billy, I, I, you know, your, your journey, uh, I've sit here, I learned more, I've known you for a long time and I learned just a little bit more about your story sitting here doing. So I'm really, really glad we're doing this for a lot of reasons, but, um, we often ask coaches what makes a good head coach or what makes a good uh, assistant coach. Um, for you though, as a, as a director of operations and, and if, whether it's a South Carolina or wherever, um, 
in your opinion, what makes a good, uh, it doesn't have to be adobo, but just a, a good staff member at this high level of division one college basketball, what makes a good staff? Well, I've always said, opinion? and I've always kind of used this as my, as my go-to is my, my job. If I'm talking to the head coaches, my job is to make your job easier. Um, you know, the head coach needs to be responsible for running his team coaches is coaching his team and recruiting. And as we all know, being with, you know, these athletes on a day-to-day basis, the amount of stuff that comes up, the amount of fires that, you know, you have to put out. And, you know, it's, it's just important that you're able to get to these fires and put them out before it gets to the top of the totem pole. Um, you know, whatever I can do to make the head coach's job easier is that, that that's my job, you know, and, and to stay one step ahead, you know, because we all know we've all, we've all dealt with, and I'm going to throw some names out, you know, some South Carolina, we've all dealt with the Antoine Tisby's. We've all dealt with the Ronaldo Baltman. We've all dealt with the Kevin Palacios. I mean, you know, and I, those guys were great, but you know, everybody, you know, there, there, there was always something other than basketball that had to be dealt with, and that's what our job was. Yeah, and uh, we had we had a bunch of them, but yeah, but yeah, pretty, <laughs> but for every guy you have like that, you have you have a Mike Boynton and those type of guys. That are, right, right, and again, I'm not saying it's bad. I mean, you know, it's you know, my college coach, uh, Coach Nunley, used you know used to say, "Hey, just remember this: birds fly, fish swim, kids f up." It's the nature of the beast. <laughs> the nature yeah, of the beast. We're gonna start writing it's, these down, Rose. <laughs> it's it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. And um, you know, I wouldn't trade any of those guys for the world. And but it's just they're they're eighteen to twenty two year olds, and they got a lot on them, and things are gonna happen. But and 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 the one thing that that's so much different now than when we were. I mean, we had a big staff at South Carolina. I mean, you know, when we traveled, we had four managers, we had GAs, we had a ortho surgeon, we had a team doctor. I mean, you know, we, we filled the plane up, but the staffs are getting bigger and bigger now. Yeah. They have um, pituitary gland problems. These staffs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, everybody jokes about, you know, there are more suits on a, on a bench than there are uniforms now, you know, but it's, it, you know, that's, that's kind of what we're dealing with. You know, my, me personally, I think you can have too many hands in the pot and then, you know, you get too many people involved and then the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. But, you know, I thought, you know, at, at, at South Carolina, the way Coach Odom ran his program and how we did staff-wise with GAs and managers and support personnel, I thought we had a great mix. And, you know, but most importantly, we, we, we were all in it together. We knew, you know, whether we were on the – on the uh, on the shuttle buses, shuttlecocks going to the airport, helping with luggage or, you know, whatever it was. I mean, you know, we, we were all in it together and we and, and we enjoyed each other's company, enjoyed doing it. Bill, this is going to be a long winded question because uh, I'm trying <laughs> to formulate it. Um, I, I remember in college, my senior year of college, we were goofballs, me and my college buddies, like everybody. And we had a, a pizza box that we stuck to a table and we would write fake phone numbers down on it. And for whatever reason, we were watching a Kentucky basketball game one night and we wrote Jamal McGlure's phone number down on the pizza box. (laughs) And a year later, I'm working at the University of Kentucky for Tubby Smith and Jamal McGlure's on the team. And I know Jamal, you know what I mean? And and then to go to South Carolina and I was a junkie. So, you know, I, I knew who Coach Fogler was when he hired me and then Coach Odom coming from Wake Forest, you know, all the success he had had there. And I don't know. Any other specific moments I pinched myself, but 
you know, maybe a time I, I walked into Billy Donovan's hotel room because they needed something from us. You know, again, I grew up watching Billy Donovan play for Rick Patino at Providence. Uh, you got a chance. You said your first game, Ralph Sampson sitting there, you know, and for, for people not old enough that don't know what Ralph Sampson was, you know, to college athletics at that time. Right. What are some of those moments you pinched yourself? Like when you were working for Ralph, maybe did you look over the bench? You're like, I'm really coaching with Ralph Sampson or no, like, but the, the thing with Ralph is, and, and the way I don't mean I Ralph felt, specifically, but no. And, and again, it was, and I got to know him through Ricky Stokes, but you know, when I was a small kid growing up, I was born in Charlottesville. Um, my dad spent 10 years at UVA med school and all that. And my parents used to drop me off for games I used to wait by the tunnel after the game to get autographs and the whole deal. But when I was growing up, when I went to bed at night, I used to pray for three people. I prayed for mom, dad, and Ralph. And, and he was literally my idol growing up and getting to know him at Wake was unbelievable. But then when I worked with him in Richmond in the IBL, it was, I mean, we were together every day, Christmas holidays for a year and a half through the IBL season and going to Vegas and doing camps and all that. And, you know, and, and we're still good friends to this day. And it's like, like you said, it's, it's, uh, it, it's an opportunity where, you know, he's, he's not just my childhood idol. Now he, he's a good friend of mine. And it, it's been a, it's been an unbelievable experience. Um, you know, and I can say the same for, for Ricky Stokes. Uh, you know, I grew up watching him in Othell. Um, you know, the Blitz brothers playing and, uh, you know, I'll never forget my first camp at wake. Um, we were in line, uh, at the dining hall and, uh, coach Stokes was behind me and, uh, he came up and introduced himself and I said, Hey, how you doing? I'm blah, 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 blah. And, and now he's, he, Ricky Stokes is like the brother I've never had. You know, I talked to him probably at least once a week and, and, uh, you know, we, we've become really good friends. So it's, uh, and like you said, Blas, just just all the experiences. I mean, you know, it's it, it's really funny because I, I just put some new pictures up in my office, and I just look around, and it's like the experiences that we've had. You know, it's almost like we took a lot of it for granted. I mean, you know, and like with y'all, especially. I just remember the the getting to the SEC championship game in Nashville. All the stories leading up to that, not just on the basketball court, but off the court, the meetings and you know, and, and having a chance to play for an SEC championship uh, on national TV, you know, in Nashville. I mean, it was unbelievable, unbelievable. It's so interesting to hear you say that, to bring it kind of full circle for me, too. Growing up a, a University of South Carolina basketball fan, and even uh, when I first got to campus as a college student, was not working with a basketball team and idolizing guys like Chuck Idson uh, that were playing yeah. for Gamecocks back then. And then the, the the next month, I'm out there filling up the water bottles and wiping up their sweat, and I'm just like, well, wait a minute, like now I'm with these guys, you know, and, and, and now <laughs> I'll be able to call them friends. I saw Aaron Lucas the other day, Carlos Powell the other day. You know, I was texting you, Brandon Wallace was there, you yeah. know, it's like well, these guys that I've just looked up to and still do and got to work with them and still now can call them friends and call on them. And it's such a, it's really interesting to hear you say that and just brings yeah, it. And, it's, and, 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 you know, one experience that I had, and, and again, this business is, is not, it's just like any other business, you know, it's, it's all about being in the right place at the right time and who, you know, but you know, when I, when I stepped on the campus at, at Wake Forest in 1994, I just happened to get there for uh, Tim Duncan's sophomore year. 
So my three years at Wake were, were Timmy's sophomore, junior, senior years. Here I am with a guy that could have been the number one pick for three years who, you know, who may be the best power forward of all time or whatever. And, you know, I was, a, you know, I had just graduated from college and here I am. Oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm with Tim Duncan. But, you know, and then as as the friendship progresses and all that, you know, it's you know, it's it's something that you look back on and, and, you know, Timmy and I, you know, we don't talk every month by any stretch, but, you know, we still, we still talk. And, um, you know, again, that's a, that's a friendship that, uh, that I've cherished and, you know, it's, it's fun to tell stories about, you know, so. Well, it's, it's quite a journey. And I know you mentioned your, your greatest game uh, already in, in this show. So let's go ahead and let's, let's hear more about it. And we'll hear more about the, uh, the coach, coach being picked up at the end, but go ahead and take us into the arena for, for your greatest game is one that I remember and can't wait to hear your perspective on. Yeah. Well, again, this is, um, this is my first year at Hampton and I didn't get there until Thanksgiving break. Um, again, coach Murfell was looking for an assistant. Um, so I got there. And then, uh, you know, here I am um, at Hampton. Um, you know, I didn't know much about Hampton. I mean, obviously, they're in the MEAC. They're, uh, you know, well-respected, uh, you know, university. And, and uh, you know, but the program, I had no idea how good the program was. But, you know, we had Marseille Brown, uh, who transferred from Richmond. We had LaShawn Howard, who transferred from Syracuse. We had Cleveland Davis from Fayetteville, North Carolina, who didn't get his grades originally. Uh, we had a guy by the name of Tarvis Williams uh, from uh, down uh, on the in, in coast of North Carolina. Turned out to be a great team, and and we we you know we were just crushing people. We were rolling through it. We won the MEAC title, and then we get sent to Boise, Idaho. And we were like, oh, my God. I mean, you know, nobody had been to Boise. We all knew they had a blue football field, and that was about it, you know. But so much of Hampton is not only the basketball team, but the band's a big part of it. The cheerleaders are a big part of it. So we took our, we took everybody – everybody went out to Boise, and we went to – the they had a minor league hockey game the night before. We all went there, and it was great. So we ended up playing Iowa State with Jamal Tinsley and – I mentioned and Larry Stacy and game went back and forth and and obviously uh, Jamal Tinsley ends up missing a layup at the end and uh, you know 15 seed beating a two seed and and it was uh, it, it was unbelievable chaos um, and then uh, and then uh, you know Coach Murfield running around it's fun to watch the tape uh, and see you know I, I kind of want to see what I was doing what Coach Murfield was doing and four of my good friends were down in Charleston and they, it was the late game. They were staying up and they bring it up all the time saying, we still remember watching that game. Uh, we were in Charleston and, and all that. And so we won the game, but, but the thing I remember the most is we were staying at the same hotel that Maryland was that year. And when we got back to the hotel, Gary Williams was the first guy to, to meet, meet our team and coach Murfield off the bus their whole team travel party was there. It, it was just a great experience, great experience. And then, you know, I, I you know, Coach Murfell was on the date. I think it was either Today Show or one of those morning TV programs the next morning. And it, it was just, it, it was, it was craziness. So, but uh, a <laughs> lot of fun though, a lot of fun. 
You just sounded like the oldest person in the world when you were like, he was on one of the morning TV programs. There. <laughs> <laughs> one of those, one, one of, those, of the morning the, programs. It's probably the CBS's Brian, the, morning the Brian program. Gumbel, the Brian Gumble show, you know. <laughs> uh, so, so you talked about the experience of taking the guys out there, the NCAA tournament, but do you remember maybe the night before that morning or when you got to the arena, what coach Murfeld said to make those guys believe that they could beat Iowa state? Well, one thing, one thing that Murfell was great at is that he would make something up in his pregame speech. And, and uh, like when we, the year that Carolina was down, we ended, we went to the Dean Dome. That was the next year, so that would have been oh one oh two, and uh, we ended up beating Carolina uh, in the Dean Dome. But Davidson came in three nights later and beat him as well, and that was kind of the start of the the downfall for him. But at the, at the time when we were there that night, you know, right before we break, Coach Marfeld put some stat on the board. This team's never lost their opening game. He just made something up. I mean, you know, <laughs> but the guys believed it, you know. So, but but again, the, the Iowa State deal was we, we believed we could win. I mean, we were a good basketball team. We, we had older guys. We had guys that had done it at that level before and, and, um, and had been tested. Um, that year, one, one thing that Coach Murfell was great about was uh, scheduling-wise, he would schedule tough games, but the amount of research that he put into it, he didn't just want to play guaranteed games. He wanted to play guaranteed games that you had a chance to win. Um, you know, we won at Wichita State. We got freaking thumped at uh, Kansas State in the barn, but, you know, it was uh, – we, we had been, we had been tested and, you know, but that night, I mean, the stars lined up and it's one of those games you're hanging around, you're hanging around and you say, we got a chance. We got a chance. Let's just hang around. You know, you want to get to the next media timeout and still be in the game. And then, you know, you, you're playing the last couple minutes there and it's like, Oh my gosh, we have a chance to win the game and things happened. And, you know, Tinsley misses the shot and, you know, we, we ended up winning. So. Yeah, I end up looking at the stat sheets for games like this and I get fascinated. I usually try to pick out some sort of a of a theme and say, oh, well, y'all shot this or they shot that, whatever. This stat sheet is absolutely incredible. I look at uh, off, the, off the top and say, well, Iowa State, y'all turned them over 17 times, okay? Well, looking at y'all, uh, Hampton turned it over 15 times. So that's pretty much a wash, right? And then you look at the, the field goal percentage, like, oh, okay, well, you held Iowa State to 40% uh, from, from the field. Well, y'all sure shot 39% from the field it's fascinating it really looks like it came down to uh free throws so you, y'all y'all made uh, 13 of 22 free throws and they were six of 16 and that's really about it and at one point Martin, this is amazing um I, I, so you talk about just kind of hanging around hanging around hanging around and it looks like this the stat sheet is indicative of that yeah yeah and it's so funny and, and you mentioned the free throws and it's going to show the age here a little bit that's right when the guns came out and when the guns first came out, they had the little, it would print a receipt of how many, you know, what you made. Um, you know, now they're all, you know, computerized and all that stuff, but it, it literally printed out a little receipt. So our guys had to make a thousand free throws every week and they had to turn in their receipts. You know, they could come in at you know, whatever, 10 o'clock at night and shoot them, whatever, but they had to turn in the receipts uh, to Coach Murfield's. Uh, mailbox during the week so that that made me think of the free throws but 
you know, again, the stars lined up. I mean, you know, it was, it, it was good, you know, and, and no, no two seed that, that was playing like Iowa state thinks that they, that they're going to lose to a, a team from the MEAC. And, you know, it's happened numerous times since then, you know, and obviously, you know, Ryan Odom took his team to the, to the new level with 16 beating a one. I mean, who would have ever thought, I mean, and you talk about a story and then UVA turns around the next year and wins the national championship. I mean, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And that's what makes the NCAA tournament so much fun. And, you know, I know we all missed it last year and, you know, hopefully things will work out, you know, to have it this year. I got to believe they will just from a financial standpoint. And, you know, if they can bring all 64, 68 teams to one city, probably Indianapolis or something like that, I think it, you know, create a, a tournament bubble. I think it'd be great. If they bring all 68 teams to Indianapolis for the bubble, Brian Rosefield will be in the middle of the bubble in Indianapolis. Oh, already, I mean, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I've already rented out a whole block. Uh, <laughs> but but see, the key to this, and we're getting into a whole nother podcast here, though, but they, there would have to be some sort of John Cougar Mellencamp uh, concert on the streets of uh, Indianapolis somewhere. And then Palomino, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Brian, he's, he's funny. You talked about the box score. I was looking at the same thing when Bill was first telling the story of the game and I really couldn't find anything. It was just an even game right down. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. you're, you're leading scorers, Bill, you know, Tarvis Williams had 16, Marseille Brown had 14, you know, it's not like one guy, you know, it's, um, what was Ron Hunter's team when his son went for like 37, Georgia, Georgia state. state, you know, it wasn't like yeah. one of those, but, but yeah, such a great win. And, you know, it's funny. You mentioned Ryan Odom's win against, uh, against Virginia and those teams and, I, I loved watching that game uh, because more so when I was watching a game like that, I was thinking the serendipity of Ryan who grew up on the campus at UVA, yeah. you know, playing UVA. And that then got talked about later on that night and the next day in the morning shows. But there's so many stories like that in NCAA basketball. Like you said, that's what makes that tournament the, the singular best sporting event. And we are, and listen, we're all three golf guys. We love the Masters and we love the Open yeah. Championship. And you know, I watch the Super Bowl and get drunk for it every year. And but, <laughs> but the NCAA tournament is something completely unique and different, and and the feel of it, and the, you know, it, it's the one sporting event where in your living room you can feel the excitement and the and the tension. So yeah, you know. I, you can, you can feel it in your living room and you, you don't have, you don't care who wins the game most of the time. Right. But you can feel that energy, which is what I love about the, the NCAA tournament and watching. I'm just trying like to remember that. what channel number true TV is. I mean, you know, I, you know. <laughs> I think it's six ninety seven on my cable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Bill, we talked before the uh, podcast, we talked about, I told you not to mention the, the 95 ACC championship game because Ricky Stokes stole that from you. But you said you had a little story about that game. Of course, that's the famous Randolph Childress game. And we put the highlights up when we put Ricky's episode up. And he was – there's seriously not another human being that was on more fire than Randolph Childress was on that night. No, I mean, that, 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 that whole tournament was great. You know, well, first off, Coach, at that time, Coach Odom's – you know, being Winston to Greensboro, we didn't, we didn't stay in Greensboro. We stayed in Winston. And uh, we stayed at a hotel, so we went back and forth each day, um, you know, which kind of made it unique. Um, but for the championship game, that was my first year at Wake, and in my administrative role, 
one of my duties was filming games. Uh, I shared the duty with two, the two other managers. So, you know, we rotated on a three man, three man basis. Well, it just the way, the way it turned out is I had to film the championship game. So I was not on the bench for that game. I was in the top. I was on the last possible step before the roof of the Greensboro Coliseum. Been I there, know your pain. I know your pain. <laughs> been there, Vlad. So we're, we're up there. You know, I'm up there filming this, that, and the other. And toward the end of regulation, I said, dang, we're going to win this game. We're going to win. I said, I'm not going to miss this game. So I pulled it out, wide view. I said, I'm going down to the floor. I'm going to be right there. So I trucked all the way down to the floor. Well, heaven forbid, game goes into overtime. <laughs> So I got to pop all the way back up to the top of the Greensboro Coliseum, film the first what four minutes, whatever it was of overtime, and went back down again, did the same thing again. But I was on the floor when uh, when we won. So, <laughs> but uh, great night, great night. So and then uh, and, and I tell you what was what was great. Uh, we had uh, this was the 25th anniversary of that team, and uh, we had a reunion uh, in Winston this past February. Um, you know, all the guys came back. There were a couple that didn't. One guy, Antonio Jackson, um, has passed away. But uh, Timmy came back. Obviously, Randolph was there. He's assistant at Wake. Rusty was there. Um, and a lot of uh, other basketball alumni were, were there as well. So uh, it was great to, to tell old stories. And, you know, when, when you get together with a group of people like that, that you haven't seen in so long, it's going to go in one of two ways. It's really going to be really awkward. You're not going to know what to talk about, or it's going to be like you were together a week ago. And that's how it was. Um, you know, Coach Odom was great. And uh, that was the night they also um, uh, put Coach Odom's banner up in Lawrence Joel, which was great. And uh, so it, it, it was a real f- uh, festive couple days and a uh, lot, of, lot of fun to see those guys again. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. Timmy walks in before the game and again, this is 25 years later. And dang it, if he didn't have on his Wake Forest letter jacket, <laughs> I said, "TD, where did you find that thing?" He goes, "I was going through my closet. I saw it hanging up." And he goes, "I thought this would be a great time to wear it." And I said, "Well, you, I think you're right, you know." So, <laughs> well, that's a it's a, a classic games episode 74 of of this podcast, <laughs> and uh, Coach Odom follows it up at 75, and then here to have you on episode 85 uh, to to hear about that one and your other great game twos is, is, is that's a real hoot. <laughs> Absolutely. But Blas, take it away. Um, I have no idea what to say. Uh, this might be the first time ever. Bill, t- regale us with a quick camp story. I always love Bill old camp stories. It could be a South Carolina one. It could be another one. Hey, let's keep it clean. Now we got families. <laughs> you got a six year old. Now you got to keep it clean. <laughs> Oh my! What God. happened with the tell the pizza? What happened with the pizza being thrown out the window at South Carolina? Wasn't there something with that? No, I tell you what. One, one night the uh, pizza man, pizza man pulled up to Patterson Dorm, kept his car. See, the one thing about Patterson Dorm is there were usually some other camps going on too. You know, whether it was outside groups or whatever. You know, Patterson was a pretty big pretty big dorm as was Bates, Bates West and all that. But the uh, pizza guy comes up, he leaves his car on, he comes back and his car was stolen. <laughs> and you I know, remember that, right? 
you know, we're all out there kind of going, well, yes, yeah, so I, yeah, dang, if I know, I mean, I don't know, you know, so, but, uh, but that, that was, that was a good story. But, uh, I tell you, the, the best though was again, and, and I said it before, it's, it's almost like going to the final four, the final four and working camp are very similar is that, you know, you may only see people once a year, but you look forward to that one time a year getting together, having fun with hoops, having fun with the kids, you know, you know, um, going out, uh, you know, after camp and, and, um, you know, we, we did have one year at South Carolina where, uh, you know, we, we did have the police at our uh, award ceremony uh, because uh, we had an issue with mom and dad were divorced and mom thought kid was staying in the dorm. Dad was picking the kid up every night. And, you know, that turned into a bit. Coach Odom, I'll never forget, he nudges me during the award ceremony. He goes, why is campus police here? I said, coach, uh, it's all taken care of. <laughs> So, but, uh, no, but we, we, we had a great time. We had a great time. And, and I think, you know, we had kids that came year after year, as much as we look forward to it, the kids look forward to it as well, you know? So it was very hot, very hot, but, uh, a lot of baby had, powder, a lot of baby powder was a lot, used. a lot of baby powder, a lot of baby powder, <laughs> but, uh, it was good. It, it was a lot of fun. So Donnie, we had Donnie Holland and, uh, we, we had the whole so what was the wheel? What was the, the what do you call? What do we call the one guy? Matt, uh, the the wheel horse. Um, he was from over in uh, Florence. He was not like a Peebo, white, not Peebo. No, uh, white. He had white hair. He had like uh, like salt and pepper hair, but he was not that oh, old. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, I can't oh, remember. We got it. We got to do a camp stories podcast. That's an episode. yes. There you go. There you go. That's an episode. Go. We got to do that, and they, we're. We're efforting. We're we're going to make it happen, but have an episode on the final four. Have have the crew get back together, tell clean stories. Uh, we're we're efforting that. So uh, this is episode eighty five. We're hoping by episode maybe ninety. Heck, maybe that'll be our hundredth episode. Uh, that we can maybe get. we can do it live from the final four. How you know what? At this rate, we might need to. But uh, um, it twists my arm to get me to Indianapolis and do a but I think that's it, Rose. All right. Well, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I want to ask the question that, that normally we ask at the, at the end of a podcast episode, Billy Ole. we normally uh, ask coaches that um, to, to, you know, they, we, we know, and everybody knows that coaches, um, you know, are impersonated by their kids, by their players. And uh, there's usually one thing that those kids will say over and over again, that that coach is supposed to be able to say over and over again, you know, like for coach Odom, it might've been, I fake a pass to make a pass or something, you know, something like that, 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 uh, and so for you, I, you know, I've got one for me, uh, that I, if I was doing a bill old impression, but, uh, for, for you, what, what's the one thing that you found yourself saying over and over and over again, either as a coach or a director of operations? Oh my gosh. Uh, I tell you what, and I, 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 I say it probably once a week, and, and you're going to know what I say, and it comes from Ernie Nestor, and I'm going to tell you, my second, third year at Wake, Coach Odom was chosen to uh, coach the uh, Jones Cup team of ACC All-Stars in Taipei, Taiwan. 
And he took the, he, he said he was going to do it knowing that he was going to bow out at the last minute and let coach Nestor coach the team. So as all this was going on, coach Ness said, Bill, would you be interested in going as an assistant coach? So Russell Turner and I were going to be the assistant coaches. And uh, I said, well, coach, I, what about my passport? He goes, well, I don't know if all this is going to work out, but he said, go on and get it because you're always going to remember this. It's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. And I tell my son that I tell my wife that I tell my coworkers that, um, all the time. So just that is better. it. That's what we wanted. That's the one. Yep. That's the let's be honest. How sick is Holly old of hearing that? Do you think at this point? Oh, very, very much. Very, <laughs> now you gotta understand, you know, for those listening out there, my wife is six four. She played uh at uh, James Madison and uh I think we haven't checked them recently, but I think she's still the all time shot block leader. So uh <laughs> Yeah, we, we had a conversation about, like I was saying, we're putting new pictures up in my office. And she goes, can I put my jersey up in your office? And I said, ah, I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it, be, it beats my managerial jersey, I'll tell you that, you know, so. Well, it's 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 one of the greatest greatest lines ever. It, it has paid off for me as an AD. It has filtered down to my coaches, and they come in and say, "Do you think we need to bring?" And then I'll give it to them, and just all right, that's fine. Well, you know, it's this is it's just it's, it's like you just said. Um, it's better to have it, not need it, than need it, not have it. And uh, if I would go a little bit further for you, uh, being able to be in the the conference room, which which was your which was your office back in the day, <laughs> and to hear you answer the phone and say hello, <laughs> and, and it was almost like there was a P added to the end of hello. So it was a hello, and uh, and it was hey, Maxine, how are you? And it, you're always and I say that jokingly, but I also say that very seriously for for all our listeners to know that you're just always always warm and welcoming to anybody that you come across. And so uh, it was always fun to be able to listen to your conversations and see you fill you know file through those folders and have everything. <laughs> That you needed from a bus to a, a chicken finger plate that was going to be for horse in Nashville or sweet tea, <laughs> lows, it didn't matter. You were all ready to go. So, uh, always, always appreciated that. Really good memories. Uh, but, uh, I tell you, we, we had a great time. And, and that was the best part of the job is just all the people, you know, you got to deal with. You know, it was, uh, it, it's, and, and, and that's what I miss the most. You know, I, lo- I love my job now, but, you know, all the hotel calls, all the bus calls, all the plane calls, food calls, whatever it may be, you know, it was, uh, it's it's uh and, and you'd stay you'd stay you know teams in the sec east you, you knew you were going there every year so you know you got you know you formed some really good relationships and uh you know that to me that's what it was all about so and obviously the relationships that the three of us have kept up with through the years and and other guys you know that uh, that's the important part of it you know and that's that's what makes it fun yeah well we uh we can't thank you enough for for getting on the show like i said episode 85 we uh we knocked off a considerable amount of rust before we had you on and so like i said <laughs> we're gonna be able to to do a group episode here before long to talk about final four just the the value of being able to go but uh again can't thank you enough for coming on the show well, well thank y'all this is great i mean y'all are great at it uh you know i, I couldn't think of a better combo you know so uh it's really good really good so i will uh go ahead and wrap this one up for my co-host of the year krista blasio i'm brian rosefield and thank you for listening to this episode 